scripture reading today is from Romans, the 8th chapter, verses 14 through 17. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for the privilege again to come to your word, to hear and to receive what you have for us. We pray this morning that we would receive this with eagerness and enthusiasm, knowing that we are in need of such nourishment instruction, direction, encouragement, Father. And so we pray this morning as we consider this subject of adoption that we would see in a fresh way, in a new way, in a a way that enables us to see further than before, deeper than before, so that we might have greater appreciation and knowledge of you and thus be able to enjoy you even more and glorify you more. Bless us now as we consider your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hear now the word of the living God from Romans, the 8th chapter, verses 14 through 17. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. And thus far the reading of God's Word and all God's people said. Amen. You may be seated. This has been an amazing week uh, for a number of reasons, uh, and I won't go into all of them now, but one of the chief reasons uh, is because of the answers to prayer in regard to the adoption of Kyla and Karis into the Alders family. We've been praying for a long time, and the Lord has blessed in many ways. Girls, you've had some big changes in the last couple of years, and What's important now is to recognize that based on what's happened this past week, your futures have been changed forever. The adoption of Kyla and Karis provides us this morning with a beautiful picture, a lovely backdrop to take a look at the doctrine of adoption, the teaching of the Bible about this subject. So many things that we experience in our lives are there to teach us about God and to teach us about Christ and God's work in our lives. For example, marriage provides that image, and today we want to look at adoption as doing that as well. The biblical doctrine of adoption is really the description of the rescue of the hopeless and the helpless into the refuge of a Christian family and and a godly inheritance. John Owen called adoption the fountain privilege. And J.I. Packer said that our understanding of Christianity cannot be any better than our grasp of adoption. Now, I suspect many of you could do what I'm about to do and recount either people you know or in your own family who have been adopted and I want to tell you about two adoptions that have had a dramatic effect in my life. 
My fan, when I was working on family history a few years ago, I realized uh, very early I knew that both of my grandmothers had been adopted, my dad's mother and my mother's mother. And as I came to that portion of the family history, one of the questions that I faced was, what is primary, biology or covenant? And I very soon, as I looked at the family tree and the history of the family, saw that covenant is far more powerful than biology. Biology plays a role, but ultimately we're all biologically related. But covenant is powerful. What mattered the most? Not only adopted, but my grandmothers were adopted by families who were known for their Christian faith. My mother's mother, whose name was Bessie Lee, they called her Dot, was born in 1899 to a teenaged, unwed mother down in Richmond, Texas, which is a little northwest of Houston. And in her embarrassment, she slipped off to Houston and ultimately gave birth secretly at the Houston Infirmary, the public hospital. After a few weeks, she returned to Richmond, and this is a whole other, sto other story that I can't uh, take the time to tell right now, but she had worked as a housekeeper at a family in Richmond, and she knew the family. It was a widowed woman with two daughters, but noted for her Christian uh, zeal and commitment to Christ. And so uh, my great-grandmother, as it were, biological great-grandmother, this teenage girl named Ida, uh, left my grandmother on the doorstep of the Connors household and she left her in a basket and I have the, the blessing of having here a copy of the diary that Mrs. Connor kept uh, from eight, beginning in 1899 and the first entry on this page was on the day that they found my grandmother on their doorstep. Here's the first entry. I'm, I'm going to, y'all pray for me today. <laughs> this day, we received into our home a sweet little baby girl to love and cherish as long as God permits. We make her a hearty welcome and trust God will help us with the trust. With her, we received some several articles of clothing. She was comfortably set off. We received $2 in cash as baby's money, and three nursing bottles with six cans of Eagle brand milk. Now, my father's grandmother, uh, my great-grandmother, Mary Estelle Ansley, uh, died on the day my grandmother was born. She died in childbirth, and she's buried in the Nacogdoches Cemetery downtown. And there were already four children in the family, and the father uh, was a traveling salesman, and he couldn't care for this newborn. But in town was a lady, again noted for her Christian work and charity, Viola Horton. And she had not been able to have children, and so they asked her if she would adopt my grandmother. And she did. Now, due to their adoption, both of my grandmothers were raised essentially by devoted Christian mothers, and this dramatically changed their lives. 
it dramatically changed my parents' lives and my life and my children's lives and my grandchildren's lives and the ripple effects of that will continue into eternity. God changed the course of that river. By His grace, uh, as I commented the other day at the adoption, and I, I use this terminology in the literary sense, God turned tragedy into comedy. A happy ending. You see, adoption trumps biology because the covenant is the central thing. We were in the old family, Adam, and now we're in the new family, the new Adam. The chapter on adoption in the Westminster Confession of Faith summarizes the theological doctrine this way. All those that are justified, God vouchsafeth, that's a word we're not that familiar with, it means He grants favor, in and for His only Son, Jesus Christ, to make partakers of the grace of adoption by which they are taken into the number and enjoy the liberties and the privileges of the children of God, have His name put upon them, receive the spirit of adoption, have, have access to the throne of grace with boldness, are enabled to cry, Abba, Father, are pitied, protected, provided for, and chastened by Him as by a father, yet never cast, cast off, but sealed to the day of redemption and inherit the promises as heirs of everlasting salvation. Amen. You see, God loves us and He not only saves us, but He wants us to be assured. To be orphaned is to feel fear. A certain amount of insecurity about our future. It's a form of bondage that the text talks about. And he said, I haven't delivered you to a, a spirit to the fear of bondage. That's, there's no security there. But God, our Father, desires that we should be freed from all doubt. Not the spirit of bondage, which is negative, but rather the spirit of adoption, which is a very positive and secure thing. As we read uh, in our text, uh, other text this morning in the, uh, pardon, in the pardon, Galatians 4, 6, and 7, And because you are sons, or because you are children, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your heart. See, God the Father is initiating here. Crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Adoption provides a self-conscious awareness of the fact that we have been incorporated, that is, brought into the body, into the family, that now we belong here. We are part of this. We're not visitors. We're not servants. We're not on the perimeter. We're in the very heart of the home. We're not simply regarded as children, treated as children. We actually are children. We belong. Now, adoption is both public and private. Like baptism. It's a public event. We were down at the courthouse on Wednesday 
And uh, I don't know about anybody else, but I was surprised at the turn of events and especially surprised that the adoption was going to actually take place uh, that very day. And I know Kyle and Karis were surprised. Mary now went and got them uh, and brought them to the courthouse, and they, I don't think, knew what was about to happen. And so uh, it was a big and happy surprise. But here we are at the courthouse, the, the public square, if you will, where this is going to take place. And, uh, it's, but, and so it's not simply a private matter. It is not just a Kodak moment, though there were a lot of those too, uh, a lot of pictures taken. Some, but something legal happens first, like a marriage. So there's the public forum. And so we went to the courtroom, and there appeared before the judge and his bench and as everyone gathered, we waited for those official words to be spoken that declared this adoption to take place. But something else happened. Tyla and Kara, something happened for you, and something happened for all of us in Christ. Not only was there a legal adoption, but something mystical happened. You see, when people get married and they are pronounced husband and wife, Something mystical happens. What I mean is God's doing something. And it's amazing that you go, I now pronounce you man and... Are they husband and wife yet? No. Wife. They're now husband and wife. Really. They weren't before. With words, something's changed. I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and... Holy Spirit, something's happened publicly and here, mystically. Something's changed. What's changed? All the relationships have changed. Relationship to God, relationship in this case in the family, to, to the, the, the father and the mother and the children that have come into the family, but also to the community. They view, we view them differently because they're in a different relationship. They're in a different covenant relationship. Something really has changed. Now, does it feel that way? Well, I would say partly. Uh, so this legal aspect of adoption is important because it addresses our standing. It declares to the world who we are. But then this enables us also to feel our position. By the way, one of the things that happened along with the order of adoption was the order of a name change. And so names are very important. And with this change of position, uh, you become, begin to feel secure, to know that we are protected, to anticipate our inheritance. But you see, if adoption just stops with the legal act, then it has stopped prematurely. The mystery is that with the legal act, the entering into the covenant comes a new and living relationship. Blaise Pascal, the great scientist, uh, said this, The heart has its reasons that the reason knows nothing of. Something happens. Adoption should be a life-changing, or might we say a person-changing event. It is a defining moment. Adoption changes who we are because it formally establishes in the case of us as Christians, our relationship with God the Father and with other people. In the case of a family, it changes those relationships. 
And with a new name comes a new world. It changes who we are. It changes what we are. And this occurs in an instant. But it also takes time for, those, for the implications to manifest themselves. It took me a while to feel like a husband. I was a husband after I was pronounced husband and wife. Really, objectively, legally, publicly, and in my heart. But it took a while to kind of know what that looked like and felt like. I remember the same way when my son was born. First child. There's that baby. Really there. Really my son. took a little while to know what it feels like to be a father. When I became a pastor, there was an ordination service and laid hands on me. And I was a pastor. It took a while to know what that felt like, to see that fleshed out. In the same way with adoption. You see, true children ultimately are led by the Father's Spirit. Something works inside of us. Names identify distinguishing characteristics that set us apart from those who don't fall into those categories. When I say that I'm Randy, I'm also saying that I am not John or uh, I'm not Dirk. I'm not Gary. That is what all definition does. It's this, but it's not that. Moreover, much of our identity is wrapped up in our corporate and covenant relationships. Who are you in relationship to other people? Glad to have the ships with us today, and they will be introduced uh, as Andrew's parents, or as, as we are learning uh, as Gabriel and Jonah's and Liam's grandparents. Uh, so we, we become identified with pe- other people who we have relationships with, and, and it works in reverse. This, these are my parents, that kind of thing. And so I'm somebody's so-and-so's father or mother or child, brother, sister, uncle, aunt, so forth. And so our corporate identity is found in those relationships. And so we might say, well, what church are you a member of? What community of people are you part of? That helps us define who you are. And so it is an objective reality. It is who you are, like it or not. Now, being a member of a household, whether it's a church or, in this case, a family... Uh, it means that you as an individual bear certain distinguishing marks. Looks. Now, it's interesting because Kyle and Karis were adopted and there was a photograph, and I don't remember who we were asking. Uh, somebody that didn't really know them, didn't know who Kyla and Karis were, and were asked to pick them out of the crowd, and they were having some difficulty in doing that. So I hope that doesn't scare you girls. Um, <laughs> You know how people look like they're pets, right? <laughs> but it not just looks, but uh, behavior. I uh, last night was visiting with the Whites and noticed that uh, Ginger and Claire sitting on a bench listening to some music struck the exact same pose with their arms and their legs and the way they held their head and they were just book- bookends there. Uh, but, more importantly, behavior. Um, he gets that from his father. She's just like her mother. You hear that frequently. The rules that are given in the household. The goals. The expectations that are set forth. 
become inculcated if we're part of that family. Bearing a name also means bearing the responsibilities and the duties that go with that name. If you're doing your job as a father, then you're indoctrinating your children in order to distinguish them, to define who they are. The Booths believe in Jesus Christ and the authority of God's Word. The Booths go to church and tithe. And as I learned yesterday as we were sitting at our lunch table, the ships don't hit, right? So that lesson is being taught right now to these young boys. They haven't quite had that completely inculcated yet. There is one exception, and that is if you do hit, you get hit. Um, but that's another, that's another caveat, right? Uh, um, so we want... Deuteronomy 6, all the time, everywhere in our house, the Word of God permeates. It matters who you are. So adoption is the picture of God's grace. We receive the spirit of adoption. So adoption is a gift. It's grace. And so we say, Abba. You know, what is that? Well, it's the word used by children talking to their fathers. It's like saying, Daddy, Papa. It's a child's word. It's not disrespectful or diminishing of God the Father and His all His glory, but now there is a familial relationship. And so again, a name makes a difference. A servant would never use that term. In Mark, this is really, I think, powerful. In Mark chapter 14, verse 36, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus says this, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. This is the cry that he uttered in distress. This is the cry that also comes out of anyone who realizes that he has been adopted as a child of God. And notice that it is indeed a cry. An expression of deep emotion. He's not a distant father. He's near. This is the parent-child relationship. As we've read in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Kyle and Karis have a mom and a dad they can go to, just like all the other kids and like we have with our Heavenly Father. He wants us to come. Cast your cares on Him because He cares for you. Come to Him boldly. You're welcome. You're His child. You're not a servant. You don't have to knock. Just come on in. You see, as we've read about this coming boldly, the child has confidence. He readily runs to father or mother. And remember in the Bible, father and mother are spoken of as one. Honor your father and your mother. So we have this discussion of father because he's the head of the house, but the mother who is his helper who is, is a part of that mission and they're working as a team in the Bible, they just, it just is interchanged and so all this is true of father and mother and they're just welcome to come. 
great security, great confidence. The child has a right to the parent that no one else has. And this is instinctive, and this is only the true child, why the only, only the true child feels the liberty to say, Daddy, Mama. We've all been adopted. This was just a picture, a very real one. But we're to learn the bigger lesson. Adoption is an extraordinary status. A merciful change of relationship affected by God's free decision. You are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Galatians 3.26 John 1.12-13 But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God. To all who believe on His name, who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, but of Him. Excuse me, not of the will of man, but of God. God the Father is portrayed in Scripture as the specific agent in the transaction of adoption. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. Jesus could speak of my Father who is in heaven and yet in speaking to His followers could refer to you could refer to your Father who is in heaven. In the New Testament, the first person of the Trinity is often described as the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the same person referred to in the salutation found in Romans chapter 1, verse 7, where he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Just as David and Nicole's love doesn't end at the completion of the legal adoption on Wednesday, so also God's fatherly care continues to be exercised toward us and demonstrated to us throughout our Christian experience and indeed throughout eternity. Even as the human family requires stability and security in order for there to be mature development and joyful confidence in the children and the home, so too God's blessing of adoption is enduring and steady, ever assuring His children of their position and its permanence. This this is done. It's a forever thing. Now, let me conclude with the fact that adoption is the beginning, not the end. It's the end of prayers and the end of anticipation. It's really the beginning of something, something really important, something lasting. The grace of adoption is a continuing benefit, reflecting the unceasing love of the Father to the objects of His redemptive choice. This is operative through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the believer who is led by the Spirit and are considered sons of God. They have received the Spirit of adoption as sons. And the Spirit bears witness internally with our spirits that we are the children of God. I know He loves me. Nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This privilege of adoption is not simply a future hope. 
For John says that a demonstration of God's amazing love is that we should be called sons of God. And in the very next verse, he confirms the claim, declaring, Beloved, now we are children of God. Right now. The first blessing of the gospel mentioned by John is that of adoption. It is by the bestowment of a right that we become children of God, just as in the common civil adoptions known to the ancient world, as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God. And this family relation is acquired not by natural means, but by the adopting Father's own will. I don't know. I remember some years ago, adoption was sometimes thought of in, in somewhat of a disgraceful kind of way. Kind of embarrassing. You didn't tell children that they had been adopted. And then sometimes when they discovered it later in their teen years or adult years, they were overwhelmed by it. It was thought of in a negative way. I'm glad, I think, by and large, that notion has changed. It's a false one. It's not a biblical notion at all. But... I can remember on one occasion someone who was in that situation many years ago and I just remember the parent embracing that young person and saying, I'm sorry I didn't tell you I was wrong. I should have, but I want you to know that I chose you. I chose you because I wanted to be your parent. God chose you in Christ. Adoption is not a right that we have. It's not a right inherited in man, but something given to him by God. Romans 8:17, the last part of our text. If children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. Adopted children are entitled to all the same benefits as the natural children, all of them. Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. But because you and I have been adopted by God the Father, we also receive all the benefits. We too are heirs. We too have an inheritance. I want to read again Galatians 4, 4 through 7, and we'll close with this. But then. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son than an heir of God through Christ. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that You pitied us and rescued us by Your amazing grace. Thank You. Thank You for adopting us and making us Your children, giving us Your name and blessing us with all the privileges of the children of God. You have enabled us to boldly come to Your throne of grace and to receive help in the time of need. Moreover, You have granted us the incorruptible inheritance of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Lord, today we are grateful for the adoption of Kyla and Karis into the Alders household. We thank you for the answered prayer and for the blessing that is to them, uh, to their family, 
to all of us as the broader family. And we are grateful to see how you have protected these girls and that you are going to do a great work in them through this relationship. Lord, help us all to see how blessed we all are to have been adopted, to have been taken in, to be protected, to have eternal security through Jesus Christ, to have an inheritance that cannot be taken away, that is incorruptible, and it is ours forever because we are in Him. Thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Just as family resemblance can indicate to others what family we belong to, so also obedient or disobedient character which is displayed in a person's life tells you whether he is a child of God or otherwise. In fact, uh, we read in 1 John 3.10, By this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. So that's the evidence. That's the fruit. That's how we know which family we're in. If God is our Father, then obedience to Him is automatically called for. Believers are born of God as His children. 1 John 5, they are instilled with family affection by by the spirit of adoption. And we we read in verse 3 of chapter 5, This is the love of God that we keep His commandments. Given this context and understanding, the full impact of Jesus' words should impress us. Whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother and sister. Because we are adopted as God's children, and by the way, we've mentioned this before, the Bible speaks in terms of our personal relationship with God that we're all sons, male or female. Uh, We are personally adopted and we're called sons. And then as we're put into the church, all of us, including the men, are called the bride. So we have both the male and female aspect of redemption. Corporately, we're the bride. Individually, we're sons. Uh, But it's still appropriate just to say children, but just to clarify that, it's just a manner of speaking. Uh, Because we are adopted as God's sons, we have a promised inheritance as heirs with Christ, which includes our glorification with Him. Hence, adoption is an eschatological hope, a future hope, causing us, as we read in Romans, to groan within ourselves, eagerly awaiting the adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. And so we read that we persevere and wait eagerly for it. So there's a future benefit still coming to those who've been adopted by God and that we're His children. And so we come now to the table and we come uh, as a family, that all of us, uh, one big, you've heard me describe the church as a big uh, foster home. Really, that's probably not accurate. We're certainly not an orphanage. We're just actually a new household made up of all kind of misfits. And God brought us in, loved us, cleaned us up, and brought us to the table. And He's teaching us. You know, we uh, we had friends in Te- Texarkana that were house parents at a ranch called Water Springs Ranch, and children who came out of very difficult situations were brought there to have a safe place, a loving place. But they came in all kinds of conditions, and uh, you know, sitting around the table was quite a challenge at times with that group. 
because uh, they had not been taught. They had not been disciplined. They had not learned how to interact with other people. And so it took some time. Uh, And so going to the table on a regular basis and talking about what we're doing and why we're doing it, same thing. We come here every week and we gather and we say, all right, we're here to love each other. We're here to love the Lord. Did you wash before you came? Uh, all right, uh, is there some unresolved issue? Let's get that taken care of so we can come to the table as a family and commune with God as a family. The church is the primary family. Your household is an outpost of that, a branch of that, not the other way around. This is it. So we come to the table, we eat, we commune, we renew, and we go to, go to our houses and we do the same thing every day this coming week. Come back, big family reunion, and we do it again. And we do it over and over and over. And we just do that every week for the rest of our lives. And we get better and better at it. And we make sure it gets passed on down the way. Blessed are the people, O Lord, that can rejoice in You. They shall walk in the light of Your face. Their delight shall be daily in Your name. And in Your righteousness shall they boast. Our mouths shall speak the praise of the Lord. And let all flesh give thanks unto His holy name forever and ever. Let us praise and magnify the name of the Lord together. We will give thanks to You, O Lord, secretly among the saints and in the congregation. We will sing unto the Lord as long as we live. We will praise our God as long as we have being. It is a joyful and pleasant thing to be thankful. The soul that blesses shall be made fat. When we have eaten and are full... Then we shall bless the Lord our God for the good things which He has given us. We bless you, and you have blessed us. We humbly pray that enjoying your gifts and contentment, we may be enabled by your grace to use them to your praise. We are eternally grateful for our adoption into your family. Help us to be faithful children who show forth that grace. And now, Lord, we ask you to continue your mercies toward us that all the world may know that You are our Savior and mighty Deliverer. Bless now this day of rest and delight and our meal, all to Your glory and our good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is He who overcomes the world but He who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Amen. Amen.